told me after Patrice pulled him aside and said to him, he was like, if you don't have um, the next thing for him, he's out. He's going to leave. Like, he could, I guess he could recognize it. But he told him, he was like, he's going to leave. If you don't have something next for him, because he's like, he's gone. You know? And then um, the Kith thing happened. They kind of made me an offer I couldn't refuse. But then. <laughs> man, I, I. What I got out of them, they'll never give to somebody else, I'll well, tell you. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. I, I, I mean, I. In five months, I milked the hell out of them. Um, and I wanted to stay, but uh, I culturally, I, I couldn't vibe with what he was building. And when uh, it's time, it's time. I mean, it was five months. It was, I was like, I, I'm, I'm done, yeah, yeah. you know? Um, but I still keep in contact with a lot of the kids that work there. Mm -hmm. um, I'm proud that I was able to make some positive changes for them in the time that I was there. Mm -hmm. And then um, an opportunity came to work in the industry of watches. Mm -hmm. And so now uh, I'm at Watches of Switzerland. I took a director position there almost a year ago. It'll be a year, August 23rd. Wow. And, and that's crazy. That's incredible. It's Because it's bananas. your passion. I was watching the podcast. It's wild. Podcast, and you know so much. I'm, I mean, I know enough. I'm learning. You, it, still, you hey, know. I, that's an understatement. Like, ben, like, ben I'm, is. I'm, I'm, listen. <laughs> but when you when you get into it, it then you you hang, if, you know you guys have to meet Ben, one of my co-hosts. One day, he's on another level with it. He's like Rain Man. With Was the he watches. on episode one? Yeah, he's been with me from the beginning. The beard, he has yeah, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Puerto Rican talking cat. about the Omegas and the uh, yeah. what is it? Uh, G Shock B three. I took notes. Yeah. The B three A, the green dial. I don't remember um, that one. I said, "Oh my gosh, this is language I have to go and learn." You the know. references get crazy. He knows all that stuff. It's hard for me to retain references that I'm not constantly like thinking about or inundated with through mm -hmm. conversation. Mm -hmm. But he doesn't forget any of that stuff. Yeah, he's he's like, it's, there's a guy that we had on the show named Eric Wind, mm -hmm. who reminds me a lot of Ben because. These guys, they get together, they'll, they'll just speak in reference numbers. Mm. And it's just, I'm like, bro, I can't, like, y'all are. Right, right, right. Superheroes. Yeah, this is crazy. <laughs> right, right. No, it was it was cool. I was learning a, a lot about just watch culture in general. And I was just telling Charles, I um, watched a TikTok mm -hmm. about Michael Rubin's white party. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I think it was in the Hamptons. Yeah, I think like he does it every year. And yeah. it's like. Yeah, watches have now become sort of like a, a cultural phenomenon. It's where the ice. It is. Yeah, like, so, you know, and some of those watches were like upwards of $300,000. Yes. The, the prices that they're quoting there, though, in the video are secondary market prices. They're not retail prices. So, and we can talk about that, too. Yeah, we want to talk about it on camera. But it's but about, uh, yeah, it's just a value thing. So it's like a watch that might cost 50000 at retail because the demand is so crazy, it's ballooned on the resale market mm -hmm. where you have guys that might be willing to pay upwards of $200,000 for a $50,000 watch. And so when those prices, the Michael Rubin video is like emblematic of that because a lot of those prices are not retail prices, but that is, it is the current value of the timepiece. So one of the things I always preach to like clients or friends is to insure your watches. 
uh, and if they're valuable watches or highly coveted watches, insure them for market value because literally what that means, if someone was to rob me for my watch, I'd make a profit. So it should never be a thing where like you die over a watch. Over a Someone's watch. like, "Give it to me, take it." I hit insurance, and you know, a watch that cost me ten thousand dollars might pay me out thirty grand. Right. right. So I can go buy it back immediately, or now I just I have extra cash. Right. So yeah, it's it's wild. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Uh, I don't know if I saw that that picture, but I know I know uh, uh, Pusha T uh, is a big Rolex collector. That's what it was. It was they were um, they were just getting off the flight. Yeah. And they had a regular T-shirt on, mm -hmm. regular pair of shorts on, regular kicks, no gold, yeah, no yeah. ice, but, no, but the watch game. Because everybody's forty now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it is. They're trying to keep up with Hove. And then the watches are subtle. <laughs> it's subtle luxury. Quiet. Yeah, they call it quiet luxury now. But if you know what you're looking at, then it's like, yeah, whoa, like, that's that's a statement. People are like, who are you? How'd you get that? Right, right, right. Okay, I definitely want to talk about that and just even watch culture and maintenance. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Okay, great. And you hear me? I'm fine? Cool. Check, check, microphone checker, <laughs> one, two, checker. Oh, we've been rolling for a while. Oh, we have? Oh, oh okay. Rolling. Okay, I'm ready. To use so I'm going to just, okay. Oh, I got to get the again. No, you don't have to. No. Right. <laughs> hey, everybody, it's your girl Jamila. Welcome to the Queen's Address right here in New York City. Okay. I'm gonna look. Is and this is camera. I'm looking here. So okay, camera cool. one. And, okay, gotcha. So camera one, face straight ahead. Okay. Hey everybody, it's your girl Jamila, and this is the Queen's Address coming to you from New York City. Today, we have watch connoisseur and collector from the Wrist Check Podcast. Okay, got the main man Perry Dash in the building. Perry, how you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Thanks for joining. Absolutely. The Thank Queens you for having us today. We're so glad to see you. You make me feel very important. <laughs> you are. And you are, you know, and welcome. And so I, before we really begin and get an interview, this is a remarkable piece you have on the, the watch you have on today. And um, can you talk a little bit about this watch? Sure. So my my passion in terms of watch collecting, um, it, it really lies with vintage watches. Um, Omega happens to be one of my favorite brands. And this was one of the um, the first vintage watches that I purchased for myself. This is a, a vintage uh, gold-capped Omega Seamaster. Um, I forget the exact reference number, uh, but this is from 1964. Whoa. So it's, it's, almost, it's almost 60 years old, this timepiece. Rare. Um, but I, I love it. It's got a sunburst style. Um, it's got the Omega symbol, which I always thought looked cool. Unfortunately, it doesn't have any loom, but totally fine. And and it's a workhorse. It happens to be actually one of my um, one of my most accurate watches, in spite of how old it is. Okay. And so, what type of movement powers the watch? So it's an it's a mechanical movement. This okay. one is automatic. Okay. Um, automatic movements. Um, are, they're called in the industry we call them self-winding movements. 
So all mechanical watches need to be wound, mm -hmm. uh, but automatic watches have a rotor uh, on the back of the movement so that as you move, as you walk, as you're doing whatever you're doing about your day, that rotor will spin and, and wind up what's called the mainspring. The mainspring is like the, the heart of the watch that keeps it beating. And it's literally just like a coil. Mm -hmm. And so as the coil tightens, that's your power reserve that'll mm -hmm. keep the watch running. Um, once it's completely uncoiled, the watch will stop moving. It'll stop mm -hmm. ticking. Oh, wow. Wow, it's a science to it. There is. I mean, there are mechanical marvels that yeah. you wear on your wrist. Um, <laughs> that's that's part of the appeal for me is the fact that like you have people who have studied intensely and have innovated and, um, you know, have built these mechanical contraptions uh, that, you know, account for one of the most precious commodities that we have, which is time. Absolutely. So watch culture. Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> so what got you started with watches? What made you, what kind of said, you know what, I think I'm going to become a collector. I didn't, you know, it's funny. I didn't, um, I didn't actually set out, I didn't have it in my mind that I was going to be a watch collector. Mm -hmm. I just, I collect a lot of things. Mm -hmm. And um, I think what really, I know what really sparked the interest. I mean, obviously I think for growing up, it was like seeing my dad and my grandfather, they owned watches. Mm -hmm. And that kind of made me look at it like, oh, this is, you know, this is a part of like the culture of, you know, sort of what it means to be like an adult, what it means to be a, a man, a father, et cetera, because I saw these two great men in my life have and, and own watches. But then I worked for Ralph Lauren for a time. And um, Ralph is, is an institution, you get an, an amazing education just in terms of, of fashion, luxury, and what luxury really is, um, because it's not about the money, though the money is, it's, it's nice to be able to be in a position to afford these nice things, but you get a crash course. And the business that I was part of, we actually sold vintage timepieces. Mm -hmm. And just, you know, because it was part of our business and I had to drive it, I had to, I, I had to be educated uh, in, in that world. And um, being able to, to spend time with these timepieces, to, to talk to the buyers, um, you know, that were purchasing these pieces for us to sell, really made me appreciate it. Mm -hmm. And I think from then on, just, I just decided to dive in. It was just... Yeah, it was like... The rest it, is history. The rest is yeah. history. <laughs> well, can we talk a little bit real quick about... Just I, I, first of all, I'm a fan. I'm just really excited. I'm, a, I'm appreciative of anyone that absolutely. listens to us for. <laughs> no, it's a really. It, I just want to talk about the Risk Check podcast because I'm learning so much. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, what made you want to start the podcast? So that's a that's a great question. Um, you know, I have the two the, the two co-hosts I have on the show that are they're really amazing people, um, Rashawn uh, Smith and and Ben Grion. Shout out to them. Um, shout out to them. <laughs> Both, you know, have a, an affection for timepieces themselves. And um, they, had, they had taken two positions in the industry. And uh, we were kind of ran around the same, like, neighborhoods. And mm -hmm. oftentimes we would either get lunch together or we would get dinner. And we would just find ourselves talking about watches. Mm -hmm. And then, like, simultaneously at that time, I started consuming a lot of, a lot of watch content. Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't see very many people in in that space that look like myself right. or the three of us mm -hmm. and so I thought okay maybe there's an opportunity here 
um, to enter that space, you know, and sort of, you know, plant the flag first. But also, I thought what it was lacking was, um, I think watches can be kind of intimidating. Mm -hmm. And the goal, I, I thought, was to make it more accessible in terms of conversation. And, mm -hmm. you know, we wanted to appeal to people who were seasoned collectors, but mm -hmm. also people who were you know, might just be considering purchase their first watch and never, and never bought a watch before. Right, exactly. And so the idea was sort of to take and, and emulate what what we were doing when we were by ourselves off camera, just talking about watches, and then just put that on, on, on film. Mm -hmm. And um, so we just decided one day to go for it, mm -hmm. and and we did. And, um, you know, amazing, amazingly, people actually are tuning in, and, and they're enjoying what we're doing, mm -hmm. and that's really nice. And um, and so it's growing. You know, we we're it's not huge. It yeah, is. It is. Yeah. You know, it's it's nice that like the audience is like really engaging with us. Mm -hmm. And recently, we started like a um, a private chat group, and that's blowing up. I mean, they're, they're going nonstop. I to show you, they're going right now. Just yeah, like it's yeah. it's it's sure. crazy. And um, you know, the reception I think is what's keeping us going. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, but that was that was really it. You know, just entering the space first and and making sure that there was representation. Absolutely, well, I'm glad for that. Now I had a, um, this is a little bit more personal. Do you have a favorite watch that you've recently added to your collection? Um, it depends on, on how recent <laughs> you mean. <laughs> there was a watch I added uh, to my collection this year mm -hmm. that I've never shown. Mm -hmm. I don't wear very often. But you're excited about it? I own it. I am very excited about it. <laughs> um, I haven't shared it yet. Mm -hmm. uh, waiting on the right time. I'm just Bust waiting on the right time yeah. because it's very, very, it, and it was a watch that I fell in love with, and I never fell in love with the watch like I fell in love with mm -hmm. with this one. I saw it, and I was just like immediately, I could not stop thinking you said, about okay. it. It was just That's like, it. I mean, yeah. I text my wife. I, I was texting friends, and I was like, yo, I don't know any, I need to know about this watch. Right. What is this? How can <laughs> I get this? Like, I'm in love with this thing. And I was fortunate enough, um, with the help of a friend, to be able to acquire it. And um, it's it's sitting in my safe. Okay. <laughs> I wear it occasionally, but very. I, I think the last time I wore it was on Thanksgiving. Oh, okay. So. Okay. Well, we, we we'll be waiting to yeah. see it make its <laughs> debut sometime yeah. soon. Or you it's know. a good one. It's something that would go, it goes under the radar. Like I think most people would see it and they won't pay attention to it. Right. Right. But. Um, I don't know this. It caught your eye. It's special. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. VSOP. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I had a question about um, the stainless steel trend that's sure. been happening. What, what's your personal opinion on the stainless steel trend and uh, the watch? It's been a trend culture. that's been around for a long time. I mm -hmm. think in terms of trends that we're seeing now, um, it's kind of, you know, how, like we talk about like fashion and stuff. You say things are cyclical. Mm -hmm. It's just it's just cyclical. In, in the 1970s, um, you had a gentleman named Gerald Genta who mm -hmm. was a designer, and he's an amazing designer. And he happened to have designed two of the most iconic steel sports watches. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the reason why that was so groundbreaking at that time is because they were luxury timepieces. Right. And back then, in the 70s, it, it, it that was like an unheard of thing, a luxury timepiece that's not precious metal. Mm -hmm. um, but you could not you know, you could not escape what this man contributed in terms of like design language. And right. it was one of those things where it was released, people saw it and it, it immediately resonated with people and like, I get it. Right. 
Um, and so you're starting to see that come back where the steel sports models, which at, at retail are some of the most affordable timepieces, are now the hardest watches to get. Mm. Um, and those are the ones that are increasing in terms of value exponentially on the secondary market. Mm. So you have watches, you take like a Patek Philippe Nautilus, the 5711 reference, which is like everyone has to have now, which was discontinued. Yeah. Um, when that watch was in production, it retailed, I think, for, I mean, it started out at like 20000 and got up by the time it was discontinued because they increased prices each year for inflation. Uh, got up to like $27,000. Oh, wow. um, but that watch today, if, if you were to, to buy it unworn in the in the box, plastic, I mean, you're going to pay six figures for it. Right. You know? It and so you talk. Yeah. Um, and there's watches in, in Patek's catalog at retail that cost exponentially more mm. than that watch. But because the demand is so crazy, the value, because it's just astronomical. And mm. so when you if you see someone now, with the Patek Philippe Nautilus, it's kind of like, who are you? What do you do? Because you know they had to spend some major coin to get that watch. Right, right, absolutely. Now I had a um, just a just a thought. If you had one piece of advice that you could offer to a young or new watch collector, what would it be? Because sometimes it can be intimidating sure. if you don't really know what you're looking at or you, you know, you're just starting out and you're a beginner. What would you say to someone? My, my, my main advice, what I preach all the time, is, is start off buying what you like, but things that you can afford to like lose mm. or damage, mm. right? So, because I think with anything, you, you're going to spend those first few purchases if you're going straight into luxury mm -hmm. you might end up buying things and making like a lot of mistakes mm -hmm. and getting things that a you don't like or uh not understanding how to actually go about acquiring these watches and wasting a lot of money mm -hmm. and you have the opportunity i think in, in your formative years of watch collecting to become familiar with you know things like case size mm -hmm. uh legibility how important that is to you uh, dips different types of materials. Do you prefer bracelets? Do you prefer straps? Do you like NATO straps? Do you like leather straps? There's so many nuances uh, to a watch that you want to be versed in before you make that investment and you, you, you make a big leap. You know, our, I, I meet people all the time that, you know, they'll, they're buying their first Rolex and they have no idea how to use it. Right. And when you don't know how to use a mechanical watch, it's very easy to break. Right, right, <laughs> and right. So they get it, and two weeks later, it goes in for servicing. Right. And then when it goes in for servicing, you realize, oh, I don't have a watch for the next maybe two to six months. Right. You know? Right. Um, so just to familiarize yourself, you know, great brands like Seiko, Casio, um, though they do, like, the digital things that are really fun, they also have higher-end models um, within their lines. You know, um, Belova is a great brand mm -hmm. uh, to, to try out. Longines. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there are so many brands that offer a, a wide variety of, of access in terms of um, price point mm -hmm. and a variety of, of product to right. choose from to be able to play around and, and see what it is that you like. So I think experimenting first on the lower end before do your research, do your research. Yeah. you know, and the research is yourself. It's like just discover what it is that you actually like. Exactly. Now, do you have um, an opinion on the best women's watch that's trending right now? Um. <clears throat> 
it's for it, the ladies, the ladies, <laughs> for the queens. I think, yeah. I mean, I, I, so I bought my wife her first watch uh, last year. I bought her Cartier Panther. Mm. I think a Cartier Panther is um, a great first luxury timepiece. Um, it also happens to be unisex, and I think that's a conversation that more people need to be having. Is that you don't really need to. We don't need the gender watches. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen guys pull off a Cartier Panther, and I'm like, wow, that actually looks really, really cool. Mm-hmm. And now there's a trend where w- women are wearing bigger watches, right? It's and guys fluid. happen to be wearing smaller watches, right? I personally prefer smaller watches. I mm-hmm. try not to wear anything uh, bigger than a 40. Mm-hmm. The the only watch I have in my collection that's bigger than that is I have an Omega Speedmaster. It's a 42 millimeter. And again, going back to like saying like experimenting with timepieces, the reason why the 42 works on me in that model is because the lugs twist in. Okay. So the wearability, how it actually looks, okay. uh, because it's not it's not uniform. You might have watches that are this size, and you know you have two different models, and they d- they just don't wear the same. You know mm-hmm. the contours are different, the design is different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, me personally, what I like to see, I think, I think the Cartier Panther mm-hmm. is a great piece. Mm-hmm. Um, it is, it's a pricey piece, but it's accessible enough where you're going to treat it right. It's right. a quartz watch. You don't have to worry about winding it. It's battery operated, right. um, which I think is great because then that, you know, that teaches people that, you know, not all luxury timepieces have to be mechanical. Exactly. There are some amazing brands that do quartz timepieces. Grand Seiko is another one, and they happen to make, I think, uh, amazing watches for you know that they they try to market uh, to women today as well. Um, so I would, you know, I think Cartier is always great because at the very least, it's like a piece that you won't regret. Right. You can hand down. Mm-hmm. Someone will always appreciate it. Mm-hmm. You know, and f- relatively speaking, they kind of they maintain or hold their value. You know, they'll they'll dip under a little bit, but never too much. You spend four grand on a Cartier. Mm-hmm. If you if you know you're in a pinch, you need to get rid of it. You'll get thirty five hundred dollars back mm-hmm. for it. Yeah, so you, know? you can you can kind of teeter in the balance. Mm-hmm. And um, that that's dope. So hip hop sure has just celebrated fifty years. It's amazing. Of you know, and I just wanted to talk a little <coughs> bit about just hip hop lyrics and how in the hip hop community we hear about. Rolex and Jacob yeah. and Company and Movado watch tennis mm-hmm. for the ri- you know we yeah. have our lyrics <laughs> and we have Cartier and the list goes on and so luxury watches have been a symbol of success mm-hmm. within the culture for a long time um, the extravagant look with the design and now we see the alligator uh, leather bands exotic materials oh, yeah. expensive metals and what I want to know is the most is the most expensive watch the best watch with our with our hip-hop community or do they you know because you know we hear about rolex (laughs) all the time we hear about movado and these are great watches and so uh, you know uh, should we be you know looking to like add different flavors outside of the the ice dripping and the you know the absolutely eight different time zones yeah i think people should experiment with with uh with different brands I, you know rolex is an incredible brand yeah uh they make an incredible watch um they happen to produce the most watches out of anybody mm-hmm. in the in the watch industry in mm-hmm. total they do about 1.2 million 1.3 million units a year is what they produce Whew. it's a lot yeah that's a lot of watches yeah um rolex is you know they they they're respected for the innovation 
-hmm. They developed the first waterproof watch. Um, they actually also developed the automatic movement. You know, the, that those two words that they put on the on the dial, oyster perpetual. It means exactly that. That's their contribution to horology. Oyster for the waterproof case, mm. uh, and perpetual for the self-winding movement. Mm -hmm. um, and the cool thing about Rolex and their founder Hans Wolldorf, who's an Englishman, mm -hmm. he kind of did those two things and then dropped the mic and it was like, all right, I'm done. Mm -hmm. And they still innovate, but you know, not to the level that they did when when they delivered you know these two things to the watch industry. And so today, I think they really just kind of rest on their laurels. Um, but if you want a, a luxury timepiece that you can beat up mm -hmm. and not treat like it's precious, mm -hmm. Rolex is incredible for that. Even though people treat it like it's precious, mm -hmm. they're tanks. They're, you know, they're built to last. Uh, yeah. It's not uncommon for Rolexes to exist 50, 60, 70 years. We're coming up now where you know, you're going to start to see a lot of cent centennial pieces. You're going to see a lot of pieces that people own mm -hmm. that are making 100 years. Um, so but to, to go back to that point, you know, they have watches that cost, you know, $5,000. They have watches that are over $100,000. Right. Um, most of what you're paying for is, um, you know, if it's a precious metal piece, you're paying for the metal. Mm -hmm. If it's gem set, you're paying for the stones. Um, I used to work in jewelry. I know that stones happen to not be that expensive. You're paying mm -hmm. for labor. Mm. You know, you're paying for masterclass gem setting if it's factory. Mm -hmm. um, and that goes into like a whole nother debate that's popular in hip hop right now. Is it factory? Is it aftermarket? If someone wants to bust down their watch, go for it. That's cool. There's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But the reason why factory is king is because you literally have people that have dedicated their life to the art of gem setting. Mm -hmm. And they're really, really amazing at it. Rolex mm -hmm. happens, happens to be one of the brands that does it the best. If you're afforded the opportunity, the luxury to be able to purchase a gem set Rolex, it's a special piece. Because I don't think that there's really anybody in, in the industry that can quite do it like they do. When you saw the, the Rainbow Daytona mm -hmm. and those that, that's, that series of sapphires switching from color to color, like no one that's had incredible. done that like that back then, you know. Yeah. Patek does amazing gem setting. Audemars Piguet does amazing gem setting now. Uh, and they've, they've always done, but I think Rolex, I think they do it the best. So there's a reason Rolex is mentioned so much in the hip-hop lyrics. Yeah, <laughs> it's, for it's, sure. It, it, it's, it's a status symbol, but it's also a quality, incredible, It's a quality product. Amazing, And, and yeah. when, you, when you read and understand the story of Hans Wildorf, what you see is that he was a marketing genius. Mm -hmm. They have one of the biggest brands globally recognized in the right. world. And even to someone who, you know, it might not be familiar with their entire catalog, I would I would say arguably you know a two tone Rolex Datejust with a fluted bezel is probably the most recognizable watch in the world. Mm, you wow. know, it's just like the, the what the the marketing machine that they've built is amazing. Mm -hmm. They are responsible single handedly for people wanting to wear watches. Wow, it's yeah, I would give that credit to them absolutely. I talk about influencers. Yeah, <laughs> and so recently we've seen uh, Michael Rubin. Sure. Yeah. Had a white party in the Hamptons, I believe. Mm -hmm. And there were videos just out of control about the types of watches that were seen amongst 
all the A-listers who were oh, there. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I'm, I've just been thinking about this all day, just leading up to the interview. What would Perry Dash wear to the white party? What would I wear? Yes, I'd like to so know. Uh, that's, I'm that's dying really, to know. That's a really good question because in in once you once you get dialed in to like collecting watches, mm-hmm. what you you vie for is not so much the attention, mm-hmm. but the conversation. That's what I yeah. And so I would be thinking about who's in that room, and obviously I'm going to be thinking about Jay Z. <laughs> Shout out to Jay Z. I want, right. want Jay Z to look at my wrist and, and say, go, "Okay, what you got on?" Right, 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 right. <laughs> that's what that's what I'm gunning for, right? Exactly. I want Jay to come over and be impressed. I say, okay, because he happens to be a hell of a watch collector. Right. He has the eye. He has the knowledge, and he, with the help of some some of his pals, I know Alex Todd. Um, are curating a collection with him that I think will will go down in history as arguably one of the best watch collections in the world. Mm. So what I would wear, mm. um, I would probably wear a, a piece from a brand called Grubel Force okay. that makes amazing timepieces. Mm. They happen to be insanely expensive. Mm. I cannot afford one. <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> right and it's not that it's not for that reason it's not for the price point but they're watches that most people would not bat an eye at because they don't know what they're looking at right. but to but a watch collector know, or a serious watch enthusiast you know. you know what a group of force is when you've seen one and you don't really see them right. and it is like top tier state-of-the-art watchmaking they do time pieces that have four tourbillons in them mm-hmm. um they, they're they're just crazy timepieces. They're incredibly accurate. They're not really loud in terms of like the ticking. They're not flashy. That. Okay. But they're eye catching. You look at them. It's like what the what hell is, is that this? on your wrist? Oh, yeah. Um. So I would probably wear one of those, and I would akin that to Jay wearing a, a Richard Mill twenty years ago. Mm-hmm. You know when he he broke out the RM01, and one of the first people, there's a picture of him at, uh, at, at Soul Train uh, Awards accepting an award, and he has one on his wrist. This is 2003, okay. so 20 years ago. No one really knew what no they were. It was their knew. first watch. Wow. You know, but he owned one. Right. And so I can imagine people, you know, in rooms that he's in, like, what the hell right. you got What's on up? your wrist? What's up? What's good? Yeah. And then that sparks up a conversation. And I think the reason why those conversations are so important, and I think it's really cool that a lot of these young guys in hip-hop are getting into it, is because... That is that is the um, collecting watches has become the uh, there's a term I'm looking for. It's the great equalizer, mm-hmm. right? Where mm-hmm. you could be in a room with a bunch of people that don't look like you, and you don't have any cultural ties to them. Mm-hmm. How do you break the ice? Right. How do you equalize? It's a conversation starter, right? yeah. And for people to to have that uh, kind of do that for them. Mm-hmm. Everything I see it all the time. Everything breaks down. Mm-hmm. It's no longer about who you are, where you're from, how much money you make. It's like, tell me about this thing on your wrist. Right. And then you start there, and then it moves into, I want to know more about you. Mm-hmm. right? And it's not because you're looking for an opportunity or trying to figure out how you can afford this. It's like, no, you're, you, you're clearly an interesting person because you made a very interesting choice. Right. I want to know more about you. And that in itself opens up crazy doors sure. and opportunities. Yeah. And opportunities have opened up for us with the podcast mm-hmm. through situations like that. Seeing people who look like us wearing timepieces and it's like, 
it, it they, sure there's curious you know how did you get it but it's it's like yeah yeah we need to talk curious. what's happening here right because right. i didn't know that people cared yeah about it's a this. whole move it's a it's whole, a whole thing and, and doing my research i said yo it's cool to see now where it was like before like celebrities would go to parties and it was like who are you wearing right 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 in fashion but now it's like everyone's like the watch game is like it's replacing like, the large oh, chain and the iced out wrist and the you know it's like okay this watch let's talk about this watch yeah you know what i mean and so i i, I love it i love the shift that's happening mm -hmm. you know because it seemed like just the jewelry i mean shout out to people who wear lots of jewelry you know sure. but there's nothing wrong with that that's your thing there's a little bit more of character <clears throat> with vintage watches and yeah. you know there's there's a certain like you know there's an air of sophistication you yeah. know and elegance that comes along with a because well you gotta you have made. to you gotta educate yourself before you make those purchases it is this is not like it's a lot of money you mm -hmm. know to spend on watches especially when you decide i'm gonna be a collector that's a big investment you're gonna make mm -hmm. so you got to be educated you want to make sure that where you're spending your money you're putting it in a good place right um you want to be knowledgeable about what it is that you're purchasing who you're purchasing it from especially when you get to vintage because Vintage can get scary. It mm -hmm. can get dicey. Mm -hmm. You know, the, the value is in maintaining originality. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of stuff out there that's that's not original. People are replacing dials, internal parts. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you might spend a lot of money on timepiece and then years later discover that it's not original and you, lo you lost a lot of money. Right, right. Yeah, we can always take an L. Now, what's the craziest watch you've ever seen? Who had the craziest watch? The craziest watch yeah. I've ever seen. That's a really good question. Just the craziest, most, you know, extravagant, you know, uh, Liberace, you know what I mean? Like, have you seen a I've crazy, seen crazy insane stuff. watch <clears throat> I've seen in, your, in your lifetime? <laughs> I'm seen, sure you've seen quite a few. I've seen a lot. Um... The craziest watch I've seen. Yeah. I mean to stress you out, brother. I nice. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to think. The craziest timepiece I've seen. I've seen a lot of crazy ones. I mean, Jacob's stuff is insane. Actually, matter of fact, yeah, there's a Jacob watch that he does that, um, I forget what the name of it is. And it has, um, it's like 3D something. But the whole watch is like a sapphire, like orb. Mm. Um, and sapphire it's, a orb. it's just a sapphire case. And it's like, it, it, it almost looks like a bowl. Um, and that is, it's being held together. I'll share a photo with you. Mm. It's being held together by um, like a precious metal sort of like cage. And then it has, um, it has like a round, around crystal almost like a bubble crystal and inside there's like all of these crazy complications um i think this particular one might have been a, a a gmt a gmt gmt stands for greenwich mean time so those are watches that that tell you like dual time zones mm -hmm. and it had like a, a earth orb inside spinning oh my in what was the universe so he had like the solar system laid out in the watch and the idea is that you would get the the solar system and the planetary alignments inside the watch to align with what was actually happening in our solar system <laughs> yo that's the craziest watch it's insane 
I didn't there's, even there's know a, that There's a couple existed. of watches like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patek has one that people call the Celestial. Celestial. Yeah, it's called the Celestial, and it kind of does the same thing, but it looks different. You don't see the orbs or anything like that, but it shows you the position of everything in, in like, the Milky Way. Mm. Um, but, but everything Jacob does is, like, you know, extra. Yeah. And he actually fit, like, the entire solar system into a watch. I can't for the life of me remember where on the watch it actually displayed the time <laughs> because there's so, so much yeah, going it's on. A, it's probably very busy. But a watch like that, you don't wear to tell the time. You right. wear it as like a mechanical marvel. You can tell the time on it, but no one's going to point to that watch and say, hey, do you have the time? You're going to point it and be like, what the hell Yo, is that? What's yeah. going on? And then you get to like talk about all the complications that exist inside it. Mm. Um, I, I don't think Jacob gets enough credit for being a fine watchmaker. Creative stuff, too. He does yeah. exceptional, mm-hmm. he makes exceptional watches. Mm-hmm. You know, he has the bling stuff that everyone loves. That's great. That's what sells. But when you get into the high horology stuff that Jacob does, mm-hmm. it is insane. Mm-hmm. And um, people in the U.S. at least don't really appreciate it. His watches do very well in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. They do because the Middle East consumer, they, they buy everything. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like in Dubai, like I'm sure I think that's probably got to be like one of his top markets because those guys are very, very serious watch collectors. Yes, they are. And they don't like wearing anything that's pedestrian. Mm-hmm. So it's not about necessarily flexing with like the most expensive piece. It's exclusivity. Exclusivity. Yeah. yeah. No, I have a loved one in Abu Dhabi. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, yeah it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like unbelievable. You know. Yeah, go right sure. ahead. Floyd Mayweather. Mayweather. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He loves that. Mm. He loves that. He Mm. loves it. But, you know, that's part of the culture, too. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I think, you know, uh, a friend of ours we have in the show, we're privileged to call him a friend. He goes by Mayor. He happens to be Fat Joe's best friend. He's a big watch collector. He's been buying watches for years. Um, And they shop with these guys, uh, Pristine Jewelers, Mm -hmm. in the city. And Pristine Jewelers, shout out to them. They're blowing up right now. But they do their own timepieces, mm-hmm. and they're, like, flooded. It's mm-hmm. like the whole watch is a gem set. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I think I'm pretty sure Floyd owns one of their pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of it. You know, I think with hip-hop, it's still, you know, the flash is part of the culture. And you, you're never going to escape the flash, right? Mm-hmm. Like, the appeal of wearing a Rolex for, for 99.9% of people that own one is because it's a Rolex. Mm-hmm. You know, the idea that you want to be seen, mm-hmm. you know, you want to be admired, you want to be respected and status and, and, status. Yeah, and, yeah. and these, you know, symbolic. Mm-hmm. It's cool. Like, like oh, co- I made it. Exactly. Yeah. No, but that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like, it's cool to collect these things for for what they are. But there's also a point of, uh, about it where it's, it's just like it's a trophy. Mm-hmm. You know, I've 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 had a milestone. Maybe I did. I closed the deal. I did something really awesome. And I want to encapsulate this uh, moment in time, this occasion, with something that speaks to that, that record, that acknowledges that. And I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. And Floyd is, is uh, he's got, he's got, he's got a lot to celebrate. Yeah, he's got a lot to <laughs> be thankful for. So he's got years about. to catch up on celebrating. Absolutely. And so, yeah, you know, and so I'm going to switch gears here for sure. a minute. So you're a true New Yorker. Yeah, born and raised from the Bronx. From the Bronx, from the Boogie Child to the Bronx. And um, just to the core, you're a New Yorker. And so I've all, I just wanted to ask someone who's been born and raised in New York, where do we find the best 
pizza <laughs> in New York There's City. No right answer. <laughs> do you do you have does Perry Dash have a favorite pizza spot in New York? Being a true blue thoroughbred New Yorker, all the pizza spots I grew up on are gone, unfortunately. Oh no! Oh no! Um, you know, there's you're gonna get great pizza in New York regardless. You know, the uh, the Italian community that exists in New York are gonna make sure that there's always like really amazing pizza available. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a couple of spots I could recommend. There's Upside Pizza mm-hmm. that's on uh, Mulberry Street mm-hmm. in, in downtown New York. They do an amazing pizza. Bleecker Street Pizza is pretty amazing. Um, there's a new place I think in Brooklyn that everyone's been talking about. I've not been there yet, mm-hmm. but I heard a lot about them. I think it's called Cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, but I hear that they're pretty good. Scars Pizza okay. is, is awesome. You know, that's in the Lower East Side. I think what's cool with New York, what's happening right now, is if I can use Scars Pizza uh, as an example, there are restaurants that are becoming cultural hubs. Mm-hmm. And Scars Pizza is one of those places. Scars Pizza is like, it's a great pizza. Yeah. You get a great slice from there. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's a cultural hub because anybody who's anybody and anybody goes to Scars Pizza. So mm-hmm. you can walk up in Scars Pizza and you can see your favorite rapper. Yeah. You'll see, you know, an athlete on any given day. You might run into Scar and, mm-hmm. you know, Scar is wearing the Scar Pizza Air Force Ones that he <laughs> did with Nike. Like, right. Yo, that's crazy, the cool yeah. thing about New York is that you the, 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 the level of hustle entrepreneurialism that exists here allows for people to take something like pizza and to flip it on its head and use it to create opportunities for themselves and their family and just like expand. Mm-hmm. So, check out Scars Pizza. Shout out to them. We're gonna check them out. Y'all go check yeah, them Scars out. Scars is dope. Shout out to Scars. And so I wanted to um, just kind of switch gears here. So you come from a very well-known family. The sure. Dash family <laughs> is a distinguished family in the entertainment business. And I wanted to ask you, what was it like to grow up a Dash? Did you guys have like the awesome Thanksgiving dinner, like on the Wiz with Big Mama and? Jazzy aunties and the funny <coughs> uncles. Initially, and, yeah. initially we did. Um, mm-hmm. The family is. It's a, it's, it's a, you have it's a big a, family, huh? It's huge. Yeah, it's huge. Shout out to the Dash family. There's a lot of us here. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of us, and the Dash family is from Barbados. So there's okay. a lot of us in Barbados. Um, when I was a kid, I remember what it was like pretty vividly, and it was it was awesome. I mean, I went to summer camp with all my cousins. Mm-hmm. Um, Got a it's, lot of cousins. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, a, it's a tough family. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone is incredibly entrepreneurial, mm. um, which creates a competitive spirit amongst the family. Um, it always seems like everyone's in competition with one another. So when you talk about, like, so any, I'd say this, any Dash get-together is a Michael Rubin party. Oh, I'm, I'm a, I can't Im- listen. Every get together <laughs> is a Michael Rubin party. Everyone's mm-hmm. flexing on everybody, mm-hmm. um, but it's a lot of love. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of love. Uh, the families, it's 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 a special bunch. Uh, it, it's a privilege to be part of it and have grown up with a lot of these a lot of these people. Um, you know, I don't get to see them all as often, but we try to all keep in touch as best as we can. Thank mm-hmm. God for you know social media. Um, allows us to check in and tap in with one another. But I'm always um, proud and amazed to see what the people in my family are doing. Right. 
you know, um, shout out to my cousin Darren. He's uh, a real estate agent in uh, in Jersey, and is uh, really forging a path for himself with, um, you know, developing the cannabis industry mm-hmm. in in New Jersey and and helping uh, young and young men w- and women of color uh, go through the process that they can be able to open a legal dispensary. You know, um, I got a cousin Stevie in the Lower East Side that has a retail store called Lambs that's doing really, really well. Uh, and he's involved with the culture. You know, someone who's who's well-known uh, in fashion and music and respected. And, um, the, you know, the, everyone's got their thing mm-hmm. that they do. Mm-hmm. And it's it's just nice. It, it's inspiring to mm-hmm. see uh, to see them, you know, succeed and go out there and just, just make stuff. Absolutely. You know, so. Yeah. But yeah, growing up in the family, it was, it was, it was fun. Thanksgiving was lit, huh? Thanksgivings were Good pretty lit. Good dinner and yeah. laughs and lots of laughs. That's yeah. anything the family does. It's just it's a lot of laughs. You got to come correct. They don't come at all because you get laughed out. <laughs> um, but you know, uh, amazing memories. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And I want to um, talk a little bit to the viewers about how I met Perry Dash. It was at your store. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. I had a book, and. Um, you accepted my book and uh, I just want all the viewers to know that Perry Dash supports black women he supports black authors and I just want to say thank you for accepting my book that day thank you for giving it and I was just really really glad and and it you know um, you didn't hesitate you were like yeah sure you know and you were just so cool and chill and I just I'm just so glad that you have love for black women and you have love for black authors absolutely and um, just the the support was just you know, I, I just wanted to publicly to the viewers. I just wanted to say thank you and people win. Yeah, and we had a great conversation too yeah. um, about music. Oh yeah. At yeah. the time, I believe King's Disease Two had just come out, and mm-hmm. we were talking about Hit Boy. Oh yeah. And yeah, everything, yeah. and you know, shout out to Hit Boy, uh, yeah. shout out to Nas. Um, but I just also want to know um, what what are you listening to right now? Because we had a really <laughs> great conversation about we did. the songs, and yeah, and I was like, you know what? bet he's got a lot of some, some really good ones on his playlist you know it's funny i was talking to uh our our producer the other day because he's a big music guy and uh he he produces music himself he's the producer of our podcast shout out to to ashraf rashid mm. um good name we, yeah we talk a powerful name you come from a powerful family too mm-hmm. they're special people yeah um we were talking about music he's always like man what you listening to and i had a moment where I'm a big music head. I collect records, but mm. I I cannot stop listening to Larry June. Mm. It's just a lot of Larry June right mm. now. Shout out to Larry, who we've actually talked to, and uh, he's going to be on the Rich Check Pod. Larry's oh, okay. a watch collector. We we'll have to watch um, out for that. Yes, yeah. we're just working on scheduling, but we're going to head out to uh, San Francisco and catch up with him very soon. Oh, cool. He invited us to a show here in New York. We went there and we had an amazing time. Shout out to him and David Ali, his manager. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I love Larry's music because it's um, it's like it's just motivational rap, mm-hmm. and I was just like, this doesn't really exist like that. Like the person that got the closest to it was Jay, mm-hmm. and you'll take what you get from Jay, but Jay still tells you like stories and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the way Larry does it, it's, he's like the Roy Ayers of hip hop. It's oh, just wow. it's just a flood of positive music, mm-hmm. and. Beyond a vibe, it's it a is. Frequency. And, and yeah. It's a frequency, <laughs> and I love his like mantras and the stuff that he says. And he's always like, "Good job, Larry!" Like, <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Um, 
and the stuff, just the stuff that he says, where he's just like, you know, uh, he, he raps about like waking up, drinking a smoothie, mm-hmm. riding his bike, mm-hmm. picking up his son from school, running the business, mm-hmm. making his money, and that's important. spending some money. That's you know? important. Like that's important because you know we find too just lately in a lot of hip hop, just like Kanye said, and I'm gonna fuck your bitch. I'm yeah, gonna kill it. this nigga. I'm a Moody's it's bricks. It's too much. It's like, yo, y'all I'm got hit too much. Uh, you know, it's like, you know yeah. what? After a while, it's like, you know, they clone Tyrone. It's like, you know yeah. what? I'm starting to feel like you guys are all about white supremacy rap. And I, I'm after so a while, glad you like, said I can't that. hang on, <laughs> you know, and I'm like, no, this music isn't for me. And I, I found myself looking outside of just what's happening in 2023. I ended up going back. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Roy Ayers. Oh yeah. I went back to Yusuf Latif. My oh, dad yeah. was a musician. Yusuf Latif is awesome. Yusuf Latif and uh, Idris Muhammad. Mm-hmm. And, Idris and Muhammad I said, you is know amazing. What? Eddie Kendricks. Oh man. These guys. Yeah. yeah cool in the game. Yeah. You know, and I said, let me just take a step back from everything that's happening yeah, right I now. I said to my friend once, I was like, yo, there's not enough love in between your ears, hey, bro. Come on like, now. You gotta, like, come on you now. You can't just. That stuff is, listen, I like the hippity-hoppity-hop stuff, of too. Course. Listen, I love me some Griselda. I ain't going to hold you. Shout out to Griselda. West Side Gun is the guy. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I, 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 that's small doses. I, you can't live off that. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And even I think um, West Side knows that. When you listen to the music that he's creating, mm-hmm. and he's trying to, to, to flip it and create art, and his music to me sounds like, I told my friend uh, the other day, I said it sounds like uh like Saturday morning cartoons. Mm. It's like it's like listening to like he's like a wrestler, he's a character. You know? Yeah. So it's just exciting. It gets you pumped up. But like a lot of the stuff, you know, I don't want to, you know, beat down the kids. But a lot of the stuff that the kids are doing right now, it's so I just don't toxic. see it as sustainable, and I think it's a little destructive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, but I just hope that they find their way into something that is bigger mm-hmm. and just as profitable mm-hmm. and safer. Absolutely. You know? Have you ever had a conversation with someone who only listens to trap? Yeah, it I can't is listen. so I can't toxic. Have a conversation with them. That's the it's thing. so mind numbing. Yeah, and it's just such a disappointment. You can't talk to them. You, you can't realize talk to that them. The, 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 they're, they're programmed. No, you, the person who listens to that all day cannot uh, effectively communicate because that music is not about effective communication. Mm-hmm. It's the antithesis of effective communicating. It's what I'm gonna do when I don't know how to communicate. Hmm. So you can't talk to them. Mm-hmm. You know, unfortunately, yeah. the only thing that you can do them, you can do with them, is you can show them. If you can show them, if you can show the kids how to make money mm-hmm. doing something that's productive, hmm. then you can start to talk to them. You right. know, then because that's what you know. When I can feed myself, I can listen. Right. So, I, for me, I think that's the only way I can talk to them. It's just like, you, you want to make some money? Right. Can I show you something that can keep an you? alternative? Exactly. <laughs> and you can put some money in your pockets. Exactly. And then. It, I think that things change, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I was uh, reading an article. Um, I, I, I can't remember if it was a source or um, what uh, what have you, but I remember Fabulous mm-hmm. caught a little heat. Oh, for, yeah, yeah, For yeah. saying that female rap has become, it's, there's no creativity. I believe, I'm paraphrasing, but mm-hmm. it's no, like I, there's I, no I, creativity I that, yeah. in female rap right now. And I, and I felt, you know, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to disagree with him, but I sure, couldn't. You know, and so the lyrics like he's not the right messenger. <laughs> yeah, but right now the the one that I came to mind that popped in when I read the article, I said Rhapsody. Yeah, Rhapsody's, she's still out there. Shout out to my sister Moni. 
Uh, she's got a, a joint out. I think it's a few. You know, it's a little. It's I want to say maybe a year, a couple years uh, mm-hmm. back. She did a joint with Sky Zoo mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's just not mainstream because they had don't you know some some people have a machine behind them, right? Putting out certain things. Do you have a favorite female MC? That you would like to see, because I, I also want to talk about No Name. Like No mm-hmm. Name is incredible. No, she is. I've heard of her. Yeah, yeah. And there's a couple others that are coming up, but you don't see them because they're so. I mean, I mean, we love Cardi, we love sure. Meg, we love Ice Spice. You know, mm-hmm. those are our sisters. You know. Yeah. But is there anyone that you see rising up in female rap that you know um, the viewers can get you know hip to? Rap is hard. I just yeah. it's 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 uh there's so much of it that is just I'm a father and a husband now. Like Come I can't now. Come on now. It's hard to <laughs> listen to. It is. You know it what is. I will say is I just think about women in music just in general. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, someone who is really impressive and, and I think is monumental is her. Mm-hmm. H E R. Yeah. I, so it's funny because I'm going to the Dave Chappelle show this Wednesday. Okay. Shout out to Dave Chappelle. Shout out to Shout Dave. Shout out to Yellow Springs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went to see him the last time I was, uh, he was in New York at the Garden. Mm. And he incorporates music into his stuff. And he, and he brought her out at the end of the last show I went to. Oh, nice. And I never really heard her music. Mm. But I saw her, she was performing on stage live. And I was like, oh my God, how did She's I miss incredible. this? She's amazing. Yeah. And her whole performance, I was just like, yo, this is Prince. Yeah, yeah. Yo, she's she's playing like five instruments. She went crazy on the drums. She they threw a guitar at her. She caught <laughs> it and started playing it. Oh yeah. I was like, yo, she's badass. Wow. Like, she's a, she's an amazing yeah. musician, songwriter, and I and I started listening to her music. Her music is is incredible. Excellent. I think we need more R and B. I yeah. think we have enough rap. I think there's enough rappers. Um, I think people need to pick up instruments again. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they need to teach themselves how to make music. I think we need real music. I think the digital music is just is not on that that vibratory frequency mm-hmm. uh, that that uplifts. I think it's like all like just bottom based, and mm-hmm. that's cool. But you need you need to lift yourself up. If you're not listening to anything positive. You're not going to have anything positive going into your life. Absolutely. At 50, hip-hop, we got to step it up. Yeah. We got to step it up as a community. Hip-hop. But Rhapsody's just, uh, awesome. I've Rhapsody's heard, I've heard incredible. Her music. She's an amazing lyricist. Yeah. I've been listening to Scarlet. Oh, too. yeah, yeah, she's, yeah. She's got that, you know, that she reminds me of Rod Digger. And, I like her. I really like know. her energy, and I like I like her story. And I do enjoy that it, it seems to be that people are galvanizing around her mm-hmm. and trying to lift her up, you know, Listen, if, if the ladies got to go through this right now, then that's what they got to go through because the guys have been profiting off of this for yeah, a very long for a time. Yeah. Um, so at the very least, I say if you can control your own narrative and your own message, God bless. Um, I hope they collectively make it out to what the next side is because I do also remember, you know, 10 years ago, nobody was trying to listen to w- women rappers. Yeah. Yeah, it was not a thing. They, they, you know, you think about the MC Lights and the Missy Elliotts and the Lil Kims and the things that they had to do to break through. They really had to grind. They had, to, and they had to have lyrics. And they had to have lyrics. Yeah. And now it's like you could just you go in the studio one time and catch a hit, but at the same time, you change your whole family's life. So yeah, you know. I, so it's a hustle. Yeah, I can't you know? be all the way mad at them, you know. But I do like how people are, are getting around uh, Scarlett because. 
it, there isn't a lot of uh, women women in music in general, but especially rap that look like her. Right, right. You know what I'm saying? That's as dark skinned as she is. Exactly. And that is being ushered to the forefront. So mm -hmm. I just think just for imagery alone, it's important. I'm I'm glad she exists. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to Scarlett. Absolutely. And so we're gonna um Okay, yeah, we're gonna just go ahead and say thank you. Okay. Perry Dash, thank you so much for being here today and um thank you for tuning in thank you for having me this has been this is awesome i'm usually in in your chair <laughs> i'm not i'm not the person typically getting i'm interviewed, just so. honored to just be able to talk to you today and so thanks again so much for accepting the invitation thank you and, absolutely and thank you for turning tuning in turning in tuning in to the queen's address and uh peace queen peace king and we'll catch you on the next one peace all right cool and we're clear Thank you so much. That was good. Thank you.